Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for tech professionals. We work to simplify your finances so that you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burkwell and Alex Collins. Hello everybody, welcome back to Beer and Money. I am your host, Ryan Burklow, with me, sitting to my side, incomparable, Alex Collins. Thank you, Ryan. Welcome, yeah. everyone. So in our last podcast, we were chatting about realities of retirement or perceptions of retirement that may or may not be true. Right, and trying to help bring this back to you know our average listener who's mid-30s to early 40s. Right. So... Today's conversation is we're going to pick up, you know, really is around expenses in in the last conversation. We're going to pick up today with more of the talk about the actual retirement plan and not to say that you as a 30 year old or 35 year old should sit down with it and look and develop a retirement plan to a detailed spreadsheet analysis. Shockingly, I do have a couple clients that have done that. However, we have continued to say this thinking with the end in mind. Right. And so we want to give you some details as to what we mean by the end in mind. So you can understand why we're talking about that. Well, and more importantly, why it's relevant to you, you know, in your mid working years, like the middle of your career or even the early part of your career. Why is it important to start thinking this way? Yeah. And you know, we mentioned this in the last podcast as well. The conversation we have oftentimes with people is when we ask them where they're putting their money and what type of an account, you know, why are you putting X into 401k? Why are you putting Y into investments? And we ask them the follow-up question of, okay, when you go to pull money from that account, either in retirement or tomorrow, what's the plan? And we really don't get answers from that. If we do get an answer, it's, Oh, well, I'm going to do X. Right. And, and then they haven't really thought of what X is, looks like, et cetera. And so we started asking more questions like, okay, well, you know, what about this or what about that? And, and very quickly, we could just get blank stares. So today, what we thought we'd do is give you a, an example and walk you through a story of a typical retiree from a financial planning standpoint for the purpose of you, the listener, seeing and maybe hopefully learning from current retirees and what they're doing either well or not well and put that into place as to what you're doing today. Yeah. Love it. So we're going to go ultra stereotype like we like to do because <laughs> we're guaranteed to retire at the age of 65. Yes. I should probably strike the word guaranteed compliance isn't going to like that. <laughs> Again, stereotype, this is not factual. We don't know. Hypothetical example of somebody retiring at the mythical age of retirement at 65. There you go. Air quotations. Um, and we're married couple. Okay? Same age for simplicity. So when we're sitting down with retirees or when about they're about to retire, the question is always, okay, how do you pull money from your assets to live on and how much of it can you pull, right? And there are obviously risks in retirement, just like there are in 
um, pre-retirement. They change, however, in retirement. Considerably. And, and the biggest change, frankly, is you can't mess up at this stage. Yeah. Like as soon as you mess up, there's no redo. <laughs> well, and the, it's those early years in retirement that make a huge difference. Right. And so what oftentimes they're thinking about is as a married couple, right, actuarially, if we're looking with a, a male and a female, same age, actuarially, the male will pass away first. Right. We just don't take good care of ourselves and make, we pass away sooner. Right. So many comments I want to say, but I won't say that. <laughs> um, my wife is listening. <laughs> um so because of that, like, for instance, me and my wife, I'm, if I'm 65 and my wife is 65, I can't take my million dollars if that's my asset net worth and divide it by 25 because everyone in my family dies at before the age of 90 because maybe my wife will live to age 91. Well, maybe you're the one that lives beyond 90. Fair too. But the point is that we're getting at here is two lives that your money has to last, not just one. Yes. And we don't know when we're going to pass away. So we're talking about longevity in that aspect. Correct. Right. Uh, the other risk is obviously the, the market, the market risk, the volatility that is there. While most people are taking less risk with their money in retirement, it's not all sitting in cash. Right. Right. And we spoke about this in the actual versus average rate of return. When you get to retirement, those numbers change, and depending on the sequence of returns you get can royally help or mess up your retirement plan, and I'm sorry to say we can't predict that. No, there's no control that we have over that. The only way that we would have any control over that is if we moved all of the risk out of the market, and when we're taking a look at you know someone with a 20, 25, 30-year, maybe even longer time horizon, we probably shouldn't. So, Alex, let, let's talk about, you know, now that we've established those two risks, right? Longevity and, and market risk, which longevity is actually just a multiplier on the market risk. Yeah, well, not just market risk. Longevity well, every, is a, all of the risks. Yeah, longevity is a risk multiplier, period. But uh, let's just focus right there because I think that's really the, the main point that we want to get across, at least today, is – how much money can they pull from their assets? Like what's the plan there? And so what is the typical plans that we see out there? Sure. So there was a bunch of work done back in the, the late 80s, early 90s around what is a safe withdrawal rate. And, you know, at that point, the, the conversation was that a 4% withdrawal rate uh, will allow you to pull money over a 30-year time period, adjust for inflation as you go along and have you know, limited to no risk of running out of money, that the likelihood of running out of money becomes uh, infinitesimally small. Right. And this is what a lot of people will, either the 4% rule or the interest only approach. Right. And there's been a bunch of uh, work done lately about, okay, hey, does the 4% rule still hold up and and things uh, things of that nature, um, you know, with, and really this, this, comes back into two different concepts. One is the the amount of volatility that we've seen in the markets over the last decade, decade and a half, uh, and also the low interest rate environment. It, it used to be that you could just stick your money in a CD and get a 5% rate of return and then just live off the interest on that. 
like, okay, hey, cool, a million dollars, I'm going to get $50,000 a year, and like maybe that's enough for me to live off of. These days, you're not getting a 5% CD. I'm going to sound like you here because I'm really going to take us down a sidebar, but I, I think it's, it's really the elephant in the room that really no one is talking about, and it's the fact that this new age retirement planning is literally the, the, the baby boomers are the first generation having to realize their own retirement plan. Yeah, prior to this, virtually everything was pension-oriented. Um, you, know. you could retire, have a pension, throw a bunch of money into a 5%, 6% CD as you brought up. Live they didn't off even that. need to worry about that. They just A pension was just a guaranteed income stream. So if you work for you know Boeing for 30 years and they're going to give you 60% of your income. Right, on top of Social Security and on top of 6% guarantee type vehicles were in existence. Yeah, the 6% guarantee you're talking about like a CD, CD or something yes. of that nature. And that's so, what it was in the 80s. Oh, absolutely. Right, so now take fast forward. Pensions for the most part don't exist. Uh, they, they exist, however, most people in America don't have one. Much anymore. more limited, yeah. Right, so you're responsible for planning your own retirement and America's never had to do that. Yeah, the baby boomers are the first generation that really grew up or that really had 401k for a majority of their career. So plan for your retirement. By the way, we've never spoken about it or taught you how to do it. Good luck. Right. So, okay, so let's bring it back. So I just wanted to bring that up, which is such a huge piece. I think oftentimes a lot of us, you and I included, will have hubris to our our financial plan and sure. we don't actually test it to see how it really how it really goes in place now you and i are, are have a practice of testing it before <laughs> right or testing it now but things have still changed even through our careers oh. that we've learned yeah to back off the hubris because we've now found out that oh that doesn't really work over a long period of time because i no longer have a guaranteed pension right. like we forget that aspect yeah, one of the things that, that you and I can do is help people create their own private pension. And we're not going to go delve too much into strategy today. But, yeah, I mean, it the planning work that I did, you know, in the first 10, 12 years of my career versus what I do now is dramatically different because it was taking much more of the the academic average rate of return, you know, looking at it through glass half full of, Hey, this should work out as opposed to, you know, really back testing it and, and diving into, okay, what does this actually look like? Well, it had a higher likelihood of working out because pensions were so there, right? That because we had that guarantee sitting there covering the basic expenses of our retirement. Sure. I was thinking more from a theoretical standpoint of helping somebody who was uh, say 50 and, you know, worked with me for 10, 12 years getting them to retirement and then what retirement looked like once we actually got there. Um, you know, just because we don't live in, you know, in a, an academic setting, you, you couldn't hit reset. You couldn't, you know, predict some of the things that occurred. And, you know, we, we've seen like in the last 20 years, we've seen two events in the market that are outside of a third standard deviation which is supposedly about a point 
0.7% likelihood of occurring. Right. Standard deviation being risk units for sure. the, the Variability and volatility in the market. Right. We've seen two events that really should be once in a lifetime events that happen within a 10 year time period. Right. And that had a massive detriment on, on folks, uh, both from a psyche standpoint, as well as from a ability to hold on to strategy. And, and you know, as a result, it, it, it broke a bunch of people's plans. Now, I mean, most of the folks that I had working with me, like there were only, I think two or three people that, that broke strategy but it still had a massive negative negative impact because like these were once in a lifetime statistically once in a lifetime type events we just had two of them that happened in the same decade right right so let me i know i took us down this rabbit hole let's let's bring it back now because i want to make sure we're we're getting to the point here um so with all of that in the background now so now we're talking about we were talking about the 4% rule the interest only type of approach and with that type of approach Oftentimes, where are they pulling money from? Essentially, where have they been accumulating money for the last 15, 20, 25, 30 years? Yeah, typically we're seeing that inside of qualified retirement plans, whether that's uh, 401k, SEP, simple, IRA. Right, and those vehicles, you're talking about a tax-deferred, the traditional approach, correct? The, the traditional approach of a tax-deferred vehicle. So. And not that that's bad. The fact that that was, they saved the money and it, and it grew and it grew tax deferred. Like that's not a bad thing. Yeah, there's a lot of advantages to that. The concern that we have with all your eggs in one basket is if you've deferred the taxes, now you have to pay the taxes when you pull the money out in retirement at age 59 and a half or whenever you retire this age, 65. Sure. I must start pulling it out by age 70 and a half. Well, if you retire and your money's there, you're pulling the money out of that, right? Right. So you're pulling the money out of there. You can't control what tax bracket you're going to be in unless you're going to live, unless you want to take less money, which means you'd have a lesser lifestyle, which I've asked that question a couple times to my clients. They typically don't like having lesser lifestyle. Right. When It's interesting. You, you talk to people ahead of retirement and they're like, no, I'm taking as much lifestyle as I can. And then once people actually get to retirement, it's almost like a light bulb goes off and they're like, oh, I don't have the ability of replenishing these dollars once they're gone. And so like they're looking for any way that they possibly can to cut expenses and not take income and things of that nature. Um, and and like, I've had clients that have had massive surpluses and I'm almost trying to teach them how to that yes, you can take more income than what you're doing without fear of running out of money. And here's how to do it. And here's why it works. And here's the math behind it. And they're just petrified of running out of money. And a lot of it is these two like once in a lifetime events that have occurred. And the funny thing is, is that they went through two once in a lifetime events. And, and there's still, still surplus. Right. Yeah. There's still a massive surplus. Um, but it's 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 this mindset and this mentality of whenever you start seeing like if you're using an interest only type model and you start seeing your your principal go away, your account value going down and you're thinking, hey, I'm only taking the interest off of it and my account value is going down. Eek. That I mean, there's a couple different things that are occurring there. One, the amount of income that you're taking goes down Two, you 
suddenly have this fear of chewing up principle that you were trying hard not to do. And so it's this double whammy and causes people to, to really change their, their income and their spending habits. What's interesting is I heard this the other day. If you take a standard W2 employee, they're used to getting a paycheck every two weeks, maybe twice a month. In the end, they're used to consistent paychecks, right? Then you take that, that same model. And then when they retire, you go, Hey, by the way, there's no consistency. There's no guarantee of the paycheck coming in the doors. So you're actually asking them to do something that they've never done in their entire life. Mindset shift 180. It's extremely difficult. So to your point around seeing their assets go down, even if it goes down by a little, now it's a, a it's a shock and you're like, holy crap. Like what happens if it goes down again next year? Like you all right. these things, um, stuff starts creeping up. And that's why you see people taking less than 4% from their, their nest egg, like 2% or 3% or whatever it is right. for that reason. Well, or you get people that, they are taking a systematic distribution. They're taking a quote unquote normal paycheck and they're, you know, just kind of going about life, assuming everything's fine. And then two years later they check in and they're like, what do you mean that my, my account went from a million and a half down to $300,000? Like, and they just start freaking out that their, the account balance is going to go to zero. Yeah. So all of these things, and we brought up taxes, right? So you can't really control your, your tax bracket in that instance. So you want to make sure that for you, the listener right now, having your money in different buckets in terms of how they're taxed can help you with that when you get to retirement, at least to be able to control your tax brackets a little bit better as long as you haven't taxed, as long as you haven't deferred all of the taxes on all of your money that you're going to live on in retirement. Yeah. I mean, getting yourself set up so that you've got not only a diversification of investments, but a diversification of tax styles and a diversification of, of where and how you're going to generate income. And in our next podcast, we'll, we'll dive into some of the strategies of how to create income and, and where things are coming from and how to, how to go about building this portfolio. Today is really just talking about what are the realities of actually taking an income stream and, and, what are the issues that people run into? So we've spoken about the interest only approach. We, there's two more approaches that we typically see. And one is they're just taking the money, right? And there's really not necessarily a plan per se, but essentially there's, they're taking so much money that their assets are going down every year. Right. And some people have a little bit more, uh, comfort, comfort, thank familiarity you, with being okay with their, their money going down. Now, what happens eventually, and we've seen this happen, where it hits a certain dollar amount, and it, no one knows what that dollar amount is, but in the million-dollar nest egg example that I'm talking well, about. That, that number is different for every person. Right, because we don't know. Like Even that person doesn't even realize it until that number actually hits. Right, until they get to that spot. So you know, in our example, this with this myth couple that we're talking about, if they're a million-dollar nest egg, and they were spending it down, and all of a sudden it got to seven hundred twenty thousand. I'm making up a number: seven hundred twenty thousand dollars <laughs> and sure. thirty cents. Like that—that <laughs> that was the number that all of a sudden they freaked out about. And then they just—it's not that they shut it off, but they're all of a sudden taking a much less income. Lifestyle changes dramatically. 
They're paying attention to the market all of a sudden every day. Like it just overnight changes. Well, they, and they, they stopped enjoying retirement. They're now worried about where their paychecks are going to come from. They're, and, and this has a, it has a massively negative impact on the rest of their, their life, not just their finances, but it has an impact on their stress levels, how they sleep, their health, what they're doing from a social standpoint. Like it creeps into every aspect of their life and very little of it is positive. Now we're not suggesting be the ostrich, stick your head in the sand and just keep spending Make sure that you've got a plan. But under- well, at that point, that's when they actually come up with the plan. Right. Right. Because they just, you know, the market had been doing whatever it had been doing. And then they saw their million go to $720,000 and 33 cents. And that was the number that had them freak out. Right. And for everybody, like we said earlier, that that number is different. Um, so, so there's one other um, strategy that we tend to see and that, tends to be the bucket strategy. Right. And that's where uh, essentially you would pull out a chunk of money and you would live off of that chunk of money for a certain period of time while your other chunk of money hopefully is growing while you're utilizing that the initial chunk of money. So bucket A, you have like 300,000, I'm making up numbers, $300,000 and you're taking 50 grand out a year that's, for that $300,000. for the next six years. Right. And then hopefully your other money, so the other 700,000, has hopefully grown over the next six years, and then you pull out another chunk. Yeah, the idea being that the seven hundred thousand is going to grow back to say a million. Then you pull out three hundred k again, repeat, rinse and repeat the process, and so now you've got income guaranteed, you know, guaranteed or close to guaranteed, depending upon what type of structure you're putting the three hundred grand in. You know, if it's sitting in a bank account, yeah, that sixty k a year is guaranteed so long as you don't take more income. Um, well, and that has them have to, to do that strategy, they're taking slightly more risk than the interest-only approach because they're trying to get that, that $300,000 back. Right. And so they have to be okay with seeing the fluctuation. And oftentimes people do the bucket approach and then all of a sudden they have a down year and they see their $700,000 dip even further and then they freak out again. Correct. And uh, we're describing a two bucket approach. I've seen upwards of six to eight buckets. Um, I mean, it really just kind of depends on, on what you're doing and how you're going about doing it. Um, and yes, some of these different approaches have various, various different levels of success. We're describing the two bucket approach just because it's the easiest to visualize and to understand as we walk through it here. Right. And we're not saying that one is better than the other either. We're just bringing up how they work. The same thing is true with this, depending on where you put your money, there's, there's a tax implication. I mean, there's always a tax implication, which is a big reason that you and I talk with clients. So early on is they, they take into consideration rate of return. They might even take into consideration how much they'll pull out. Like maybe what they haven't taken into consideration is taxes. Yeah, two certainties in life, death and taxes. So with that bucket approach, you still have the market fluctuation. You still have the taxation. Again, these are risks in any strategy. However, certain strategies can be more efficient than others. Yeah. And depending on your risk profile would be more efficient as well. Right. We're 
you're exposing yourself to different types of risks and you know really what it amounts to is the trade-off whether you want you know longevity risk or interest rate risk or volatility risk like and the the approach that we typically take with clients is let's create balance so that whatever risk we wind up getting exposed to yeah we've we got some of that and we're not you know dead in the water unable to move forward because that occurred whatever that is so the takeaways alex so we wanted to share with you typical retiree strategies that we have found and certain things that they haven't considered or certain experiences that they're going through to have you think about today where is it you're putting your money because you can control that where you're putting the money today and how have you consider considered taxation and what does the money look like? Like where's the money sitting in terms of risk profiles, guarantee profiles, looking at your money holistically so that you have a more flexible plan? Because the strategies that we both spoke about, well, the bucket plan might have a little bit more flexibility than say the interest only. Sure. There still are some inefficiencies in terms of flexibility between the plans. Oh, absolutely. And you know, to be clear, we're, we're not advocating for, for one plan over the other. Uh, the, the approach that we would recommend taking is making sure that you've got diversification across taxation. Uh, this is going to create more flexibility with where you pull dollars from and how you pull dollars. Um, so we're, we're structuring things where we've got some dollars where we can pull it from a, an income tax free source. There's a couple different versions of that. We want to be able to pull dollars from a taxable source. Know, that that helps us get the the tax deduction up front and and you know completely avoiding that isn't necessarily a good thing and, and third we also want to have some dollars that wind up with capital gains tax treatment and so it's outside of the the qualified world so we don't it's not tax-free on the back end it's not Roth if you will um, and it's also not traditional where we know we're going to get taxed as ordinary income at, at one level, even if we get a deduction. One takeaway, one sentence for that takeaway that explains everything I think we just said is where you put your money today matters. So with that being said, uh, we've got a website, go to beerandmoney.net and you can check us out there for the podcast and ask us any questions that you may have that maybe we haven't addressed um, or send us uh uh, anything that's on your mind for that, that maybe we'll talk about that on the podcast. Um, we hope this was valuable for you. And other than that, we hope you have a good rest of your day. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only and coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 909-399-1100. 
Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Security, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2019-87671, version 10, 2021.